Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello and welcome to this EM360 podcast with our Ask the Expert series, a weekly conversation with people who are impacting the enterprise tech landscape. My name is Max Curtin, Editor-in-Chief here at EM360 and your host on today's podcast. Now in today's episode, I'm speaking with Professor Giselle Rampasad, who is a Professor in Innovation at the College of Science and Engineering at Flinders University. So welcome Giselle and thank you for coming on today's podcast. Thanks very much, Max, for inviting me to chat today. I'm very much looking forward to our conversation, but before we get into today's topic, would you mind just giving our listeners a little bit of background on yourself? I'm a professor in innovation at Flinders University in Australia, as Max mentioned. So I've taught for over 15 years within the university sector, worked in industry before. I do a lot of collaborative research projects with industry in defence, a range of small firms and government agencies here in Australia as well. You're here today to talk to me about a recent study that you conducted, and I'll just give the title, uh, Robot Will Take Your Job, Innovation for an Era of Artificial Intelligence. And what we're going to be focusing on today is that idea of how to drive innovation to really help the future employment landscape. And when we talk about AI, there's always this perception that people have. So from your perspective and following the research, what is the current reality of the workplace when it comes to that common fear that robots and AI are going to replace occupations and jobs? Fears and anxieties about transformation of the workplace are not new. They date back centuries in each of the industrial revolutions when steam power was introduced, the assembly line, computerization, and now more recently, robotics or cyber-physical systems with the fourth industrial revolution. Mm -hmm. The current reality, like we saw through history, is that while some jobs would be lost, others will be created, there will be an overall net increase in jobs, but many would change. So nations and governments have a responsibility to be ready and upskill workers to capitalize on future opportunities and to ensure that growth is inclusive. In terms of jobs gained, there would be continued growing need for technology professionals, such as engineers and computer professionals, educators, teachers, and care providers, nurses, doctors, and so forth. On the other hand, there would be a decline in predictable work, such as assembly line workers, sales workers, and office support staff. But there are opportunities in new sectors, such as cybersecurity, energy-efficient buildings, and even a return to manufacturing in many countries around the world, from Western countries to emerging economies. And we see through the um, COVID-19 economic recovery, countries are aiming to boost their manufacturing capability, their sovereign manufacturing capability for a range of security issues related to security of global supply chains, to cyber secure components with robotics and AI actually enabling this sort of manufacturing in a cost effective manner. So there's no better time than the present for companies and governments to rethink about boosting their advanced manufacturing capabilities and also their digital capabilities with more workers online. And that's where automation and artificial intelligence actually presents an enormous opportunity for both national 
growth and personal income growth through higher paying, more sophisticated jobs. The reality is that automation and robots have tended to increase the productivity and complement the work of higher skilled workers, Mm -hmm. while machines have substituted programmable and more routine tasks such as heavy lifting, repetitive work that may lead to injury. So various studies have shown that robots have actually reduced the hours for lower skilled workers, but they didn't decrease the total number of hours worked by humans, and they actually boosted wages. In other words, automation affects the kinds of work humans do. For instance, in Germany, where there is a high adoption of robotics in car manufacturing, they have seen a growth in the automotive sector and also a rise in the number of jobs in that sector. So a key question is how to take everyone with you for inclusive growth and upskilling workers to bring all into the digital age is key for inclusive growth and to position a country to take advantage of opportunities that AI could provide. That's really interesting in the fact that you can see that growth already and even from a financial aspect as well. And as you mentioned previously, this isn't new. This isn't a new transformation. Like, yes, at the moment we're seeing growth in the digital transformation sector, especially from a business tech standpoint, but the widespread effect of that is extremely beneficial to a lot of people. And it's that old adage of adapt and kind of overcome. So it's going to be interesting to see where that space kind of goes. And I want to delve into the study a little bit, because it's really interesting, the research that you're able to pull from all of this. But I wanted to first understand a couple of things that were mentioned in there. So in the research, you explained the work integrated learning approach. Could you give myself and the listeners a bit of a a background as to how this is beneficial to the person and the organization? Yes, sure. So work integrated learning or will is a form of experiential learning where students engage in the workplace in a highly immersive way. There are different models such as placements in the workplace. These can vary in duration from several weeks to months. For instance, they are typically about 12 to 20 weeks for engineering students in Australia, or it can be in the form of industry-partnered professional development programs, which may involve the upskilling of employees for a few weeks to a year, or degree apprentices, where students can spend several days per week in the workplace and others at the university, working while studying for the full duration of their degree over three to four years. It is integrated, so it involves reflection on learning or workplace-specific projects, solving real-life problems. It's a very useful skill, and we'll get to the outcome of the research a little bit later, but uh, it was interesting to find how this new process can kind of work. But there's one thing I wanted to kind of understand as well. When it comes to organizations, and obviously we're talking about an innovation perspective of all of this, Did you find, or from your own research and findings, what are the glaring gaps and issues that organizations are currently facing from an innovation solution standpoint? Sure. So there's this misconception that innovation is a fluid process that only happens spontaneously, where companies fail to take directive action towards putting systematic processes in place to drive innovation. This requires developing an innovation culture, an innovation strategy, leadership, an organization structure, a reward system to recognize and encourage innovation. 
processes to capture and support and grow ideas towards successful innovation and partnerships with key stakeholders for innovation to materialize. So industry partnered educational programs are a useful approach in helping ideas to be explored within a company to provide capability and capacity to prototype solutions as part of a workplace project and offer opportunities for innovation. They offer one avenue to build partnership for university industry collaboration for innovation, as collaboration between these two sectors are still quite low with relatively low levels of R&D investment by companies into research with universities. So in terms of facilitating and tapping into a talent pool for universities, while also allowing universities to understand and work on relevant and useful problems for industry. It also assists in training students and the workforce in a relevant way through effective partnership between university and industry to address pertinent problems facing health, energy, transport, manufacturing, and government with creative solutions. It gives that kind of missing, not missing skill gap, but it it allows people to grow and kind of push themselves further to kind of have that further integration within the workforce, which I found really interesting. Yes, indeed. It does provide several benefits to the person. There is a strong link between will and employability because of its high immersion in the workplace. It allows to sink their teeth into a workplace problem, providing relevant experience in areas of need for the workplace. So it is vital in helping that skill development, as you say, for the future of work, such as problem solving and communication with stakeholders and so on. But it also provides benefits to the organization. For organizations, the cost of recruitment is high. So it de-risks recruitment. It facilitates that try before you buy or in the case of professional development programs, helps maximize the potential of their current workforce. Um, But irrespective of new or existing employees, it helps grow that talent pool, um, equipping the company and the workforce with critical skills and areas of need to solve important problems. Mm -hmm. 100% agree. And when it comes down to this link of the will and employability and as you say you're getting a a lot more of a long-term kind of investment if you will and when we were looking at this it showed a lot of promise for new students coming in because they can come in with fresh skills that have been learned and they can apply that to an organization but where does this leave the current workforce how can we apply these methods to people already on their career paths and what steps can they take now not to be left behind Yes, so upskilling programs for existing employees are also an important area and will come into that. For instance, I currently serve as the coordinator for an industry partnered program, a one-year upskilling program, the Diploma of Digital Technologies at Flinders University. And that program commenced this year and upskills about 50 shipbuilders on average with 15 or more years of experience, so existing employees. So through this program, students develop future focus skills in innovation and industry 4.0, 
cybersecurity, digital design, design for manufacture, cyber physical systems, robotics and automation. And they also undertake a hands-on industry project in Industry 4.0 in the workplace, exploring how these new technologies can provide innovative solutions to the workplace. So there is active involvement by the company in defining that workplace project, uh, mentoring students um, by the company, but also an academic supervisor from university uh, and talks by their key company executives. So the program equips workers with vital skills for the future of work that is relevant for not only defense companies and naval shipbuilding for the digital shipyard through the use of robotics, but also the supply chain, small and medium enterprises, other manufacturing sectors, health, agriculture, transport, construction. And in the COVID-19 economic recovery and beyond, it is important for companies to be able to use digital technologies to boost their sovereign manufacturing capability in a cost-effective fashion so they can manufacture critical products. So it was launched this year in the height of COVID-19 in March, as I mentioned. So students had to begin their courses online through video conferencing, like we're using, for their live workshops. And some of these technologies they may not have used otherwise. So they have truly experienced that upskilling program with digital skills for the future of work. And they found that experience very rewarding. So it certainly can help with existing workers will this form of will not only new students excellent and i think that's very key it's striking that balance of the workforce isn't it to empower not only the new ones entering the workforce but also the pre-existing ones so there's so much opportunity there to kind of take this and, and push it forward so that's excellent as i kind of get to my final question here the research that was published at the end it was talking about some future opportunities for study. You mentioned AI within the framework and AI versus human as, a, as an idea. What do you hope to see generally from the impact standpoint of AI and big data on innovation? I'd like to see more research on the impact of AI on innovation from a human perspective. So current research development of AI has generally focused on the technology, but human factors are also important and future research could focus on trust in AI, which situations or tasks are appropriate for AI and which for humans to encourage effective human AI partnership to bring about innovation and boost human performance. I'm currently working on that question with defense companies in terms of trust in autonomous vehicles, but in a more civilian, everyday context. I also researched several years ago on the issue of AI and humans in driverless cars. The programming behind driverless cars can be seen as a form of AI, uh, but the key issue impacting the use of driverless cars is human trust in technology. It's not the sensors or the actual technology development. So for innovation or change in the way we agree to use transport for future mobility, we need to delve deeper into the human interaction with AI and which aspects we are willing to trust and in what situations to really lead to successful design, development and adoption of an innovation. And this is an evolution as trust grows. For instance, many of us are happy to use various forms of AI in our cars, from cruise control to adaptive cruise control functions. But as adoption of future functions increase, we move closer and closer to cars with more automation. 
Therefore, skill development for the future of work needs to incorporate a critical and a more nuanced view of AI and its interaction and evolution with humans to lead to innovation. I couldn't agree more. A lot of the conversations I have on these podcasts, especially from the, the AI standpoint, is always what can the technology do for the organization and what is the technology? But it's very rare I'm having the human conversation. So it's nice to nice to have a little bit of a, a separate angle of that in, indeed. Agreed. Giselle, all I can say is thank you very much for coming on today's podcast, walking us through the research. It really was a fantastic read and it's interesting to see where the space is going to go. And if you do more research in the future, I'd love to have you on again and we could discuss it further. But for now, thank you very much for taking the time on today's podcast. Thanks so much, Max, for having me. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, everyone, who took the time to listen to this. We hope you took a lot away. If you would like to learn more, we're going to put a link in the description of the research, but you can also find it online. It's open source. You just need to search for Robot Will Take Your Job, Innovation for an Era of Artificial Intelligence, and that's in the Journal of Business Research. In the meantime, you can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasting host. Please join in the conversation by going onto our socials at em360 on Twitter and LinkedIn. And of course, for more great daily content, head on over to em360tech.com. You've been listening to the EM360 podcast. For more great content, head on over to em360tech.com.